but it's just airplanes, so it's not, it's it's, not really no this is This is the best seat in the house. It's, it's got a runway in the front yard. <laughs> what? All right, so see, what's the most popular state in the United States? For flying, for pilots, because I was always led to believe that it's uh, that it's California. All right. Uh, well, it depends on how you define the most well, popular states by pure numbers or by per capita. But of course, and as a result, uh, I was curious. I was I was entertained to discover this story, uh, this item on the web um, that I'm looking at. Uh, some pictures that are posted in a site called Imager. Imager. Um, that uh, see, I'm not even exactly sure how I found this or or who the presenter is but uh um it's it's an interesting uh, uh trio of of uh basically maps of the u.s colorized by by various numbers relating to the pilot population and so it starts out with a uh, raw number of pilots and then uh, are you looking at the map it's so it's uh and yes. it's yes. and and darker is more sort of bigger more right and and when you just go by number of pilots, California is by far the leader, but then California is also the most populous state, so there's that. Um, but uh, um, it's interesting to see how the mix is spread out around the, the country. But that one's kind of, you know, very much uh, uh, in line with the population of the states. So the next one then gives us a slightly different view. Again, the states of the United States, um, this time with the um, pilots as a percentage of the population. Mm-hmm. And that one starts to be more interesting, um, and uh, and and where it becomes particularly interesting is that California uh, falls way down the list, it becomes a much lighter green as the color, dark green, light green, white. It's because it goes way up on the list in population. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then so as a percentage of population, states like uh, like Alaska uh, and uh, and Montana and North Dakota. Um, are are very very dark green uh, have a high number high percentage um, and that's kind of interesting um, and then the third the third picture is uh, pilots per square mile and this is the this is the this is the uh, the punchline if you will um, I thought this was very very interesting California makes slightly come back um, it's not quite as uh, as uh, a light colored as it was before but the real story here is in all three of these pictures Florida is very very strong which mm-hmm. i i, I sort of i'm not surprised at but i'm a little bit surprised at what do you guys think would would you have predicted some of these states yeah. uh, some of them yeah and i would have but, but i would have predicted higher per capita numbers for alaska than than than, than they're showing uh are you referring to the center picture the center chart yeah yeah um well, that that is in the, in the highest uh, grouping there. Yeah, it, it's the point three percent, I guess. Yeah, and they're not telling um, us the precise numbers; they're just giving yeah, us the colorized yeah. versions here. But yeah. uh, um, oh, sorry, I was reading that upside down. Yeah, I yeah. so Alaska is very dense in terms of percentage <laughs> of the population, um, but it it is interesting that Alaska goes to like almost no pilots at all when you look at pilots per square mile. All right, right, um, which is, I guess. An interesting statistical thing is probably what it it's, down it's to. a big place. I, it, well, it's a big place with not very many people. All right, and right. although right. a lot of them are pilots by percentage, um, there aren't very many of them. And uh, one of the first, you know, so Florida's got yeah, a lot. Um, yeah, another interesting contrast in in geographic area and population is Hawaii. 
Uh, in what way? Well, if you look, it, it has a similar, it has similarly changing colors as you as you scroll down this chart. Uh, these three charts: the top one, it's very light green; the middle one, it's medium green; and the third one is dark green, or darker green. Well, maybe about the same color green. Yeah, it's uh, right. So it's Hawaii is is sort of uh, halfway between half and ha- and top. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. On per square mile and per per percentage, and uh, uh, any other and poor American Samoa comes in last in two of the three. You know, I confess I hadn't even looked at those little insets here. What do they say? That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, the uh, Puerto Rico one has to be totally changed now, but that's a whole other yeah, side well, story. Oh, uh, I would bet if you did a head count today, the pilot population would be higher. Well, maybe. maybe. Well, that's true. Yeah, uh, at least temporarily. I think before the smoke clears, so to speak. Uh, so Florida uh, has a lot of pilots, which, which makes sense, <laughs> I guess, because you know when you think about it, Florida has a lot of airports. If you look at the charts, um, mm-hmm. let's see now. Kansas, Kansas is mid-range on raw number of pilots, is above average, above middle range on uh, percentage of population, and below middle range, uh, almost almost bottom of the range in terms of uh, per square mile. Uh, David, I would assume that's because there are relatively few people in a relatively large state. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, we're 87,000 square miles, no lines, no waiting. <laughs> yeah, okay. And then New Hampshire. You have more cows than you have pilots, dude. Go ahead, go ahead, yeah. A lot of airports, uh, most of them private. Uh, pilot population, what does it say? Total population. Well, it says, it says raw, raw number of pilots is, color-wise, it's between 4,000 and 6,000, if I'm reading this correctly. I think we're one shade darker. Yeah, you're right, 6,000, 8,000. Yeah. Um, as a percentage of population, Kansas is higher. It's probably in the uh, twenty to 30% range. And, uh, and then, but then as a per pilots per square mile, it seems to be in the 0.06 to 0.1 range. So it's a tenth of a pilot yeah, per we're, square mile. Well, we've, we're only about... How do you log that? We're only about two and a half million total people here. I mean, we've actually lost a congressional district since uh, Annie and I moved here from uh, Los Angeles. Oh, really? Well, I guess those things, I don't know. I think, I think we know where it went, too. <laughs> okay. New Hampshire, on the other hand, let's see, what does New Hampshire look like? New Hampshire is pretty low on the raw number of pilots, uh, is actually fewer than, than Kansas. Let's see, I'm, we're apparently in the, we seem to be in the 2,000 to 4,000 pilots range. Uh, in percent, as a percentage of population, though we do okay. I guess we're in the sixteen to twenty bracket. No. Yeah, it's in the same range as Kansas. Yeah, no, maybe even in the twenty to thirty percentage bracket. Uh, and then New Hampshire, though, in the in the pilots per square mile, New Hampshire has. Let's see now. It looks to be point three to point four. That's in the same range as California. Hey, look at that, huh? New Hampshire and California, and, the same. And, 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 and higher than Texas. And I, well, there we go. It's a win-win-win situation, huh? Well, I'm moving to New Hampshire, absolutely. I, hey, my, my best buds. New Hampshire's a happening place, man. Yeah, everybody should move to New uh-huh. Hampshire. Uh-huh. 
And the White Mountain Boys at the home of the Whiskey Rebellion. There you go, I guess. Well, there's something to look forward to. New Hampshire was the Whiskey Rebellion? I, why don't I know this? I may have been Vermont. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, folks, to uh, Uncontrolled Airspace, the General Aviation Podcast. I'm Jack Hodgson coming to you from high atop Lookout Point in uh, fall has finally taken hold uh, uh, Lookout uh, Nottingham, New Hampshire. Um, and uh, it's uh, uh, it's crazy weather up here. I don't know where, how it is where you guys are, but uh, it's just bizarre. And uh, There's a hurricane that hit Ireland this week. A hurricane hit Ireland, I know, huh? <laughs> okay, um, so, and, yeah. Yeah, I know. Uh, so it's, it's, it's unseasonably beautiful up here um, temperature-wise uh, and... Uh, <laughs> Uh, this storm voyage. must have been drunk on Caribbean rum. That's what it was, yes. That's that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> I'm sitting here in our virtual hangar with two of my good friends uh, uh, talking about, uh, well, hopefully talking about airplanes eventually, but uh, right now, not so much. Uh, one of those voices out there is uh, from uh, the air capital of the world, Wichita, Kansas. That's Dave Higdon. Hi, David. How are you doing? Doing great. Doing great. Uh, finally recovered from... Uh, the uh, NBAA convention and moving ahead. Yeah, yeah. I want to hear a little bit about that in a few minutes, but uh, uh, it's. Uh, um, I, I wish I could, I've never been to an NBAA that I'm aware of, and uh, I, I'd like to hear a little bit more about that. But first, my other good friend here in the virtual hangar is uh, from somewhere near Sarasota, Florida, Jeb Burnside. Hi, Jeb. How are we doing? Uh, we're doing good. How are you? Good, good. Yeah, I don't have the. A- the crisp fall weather quite yet, but, but uh, we're getting there. Yeah, we're yeah. Noticeably cooler. and uh, No more hurricanes uh, no, recently, right? It's there. No, right? no more hurricanes here. Um, noticeably less humid sometimes. Um, did have uh, uh, an interesting tussle of some thunderstorms uh, last weekend flying uh, around. But uh, um, we put them into submission, and uh, we're still here. So. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, well, speaking of humidity, that's one of the weird things about weather up here is, is, I mean, it's mid, well, it's, where is it? It's October 20th today. Um, and, and there in the last week or so, we've had more than one day that was noticeably humid, um, which is really unusual. Oh. Yeah, I know. But up here in fall, you know, it doesn't get humid. Humid ends in August, uh, usually, but not so mm-hmm. much these days. Um, good thing the climate's not changing. Anyways. Exactly right. Yeah. Exactly. So, anyways, we've got a very special guest uh, in the uh, virtual hangar right now, um, and uh, uh, not the, not a first time guest. Uh, uh, Mike has actually been here uh, once before, quite some time ago, uh, at least once, maybe more than once. But uh, um, we're really pleased that uh, that the, the savvy aviator himself, Mike Bush, um, is joining us here in our virtual hangar. And uh, hi, Mike. How are you? Hi, I'm terrific. I'm uh, I'm in. Raleigh, North Carolina, at the moment, and I'll be heading for Florida tomorrow. On a, well, two, I'm on a, t- a two month away from home trip. Uh, in my airplane, what can be better than that? I know. Well, we thought we thought you were on, on California time, and uh, feeling a little bad for you being early in the day. But uh, if you're in, you're on East Coast time, you're you're over here with the with the, the rest of us chickens. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I want to th- I'm going to hand this off to uh, Jeb is the one who actually put this together. Thank you, Jeb, for uh, arranging for Mike to join us. And uh, uh, there's a, um, a a particular thing we want to talk to Mike about. Jeb, tell us about that. Yeah, well, first of all, Mike, welcome all, welcome again. Um, and uh, I, I just have to say as an aside that I'm just shocked that, that you're going to be spending that much time in Florida. 
uh, <laughs> knowing knowing your uh, your love hate relationship with the state. But um, we we were talking a couple of episodes ago, and, and other uh, our, our faithful listeners will uh, remember this uh, about a, a recent uh, airworthy misdirective, an AD on Lycoming engines, uh, and uh, it became an emergency AD and went into effect and. Uh, um, I'm sure there's a, a, a lot more details here, but as I understand it, um, um, this affects a bushing on the connecting rods and an undersized bushing, apparently, that can wear and, and eventually cause catastrophic failure. And we were just kind of talking about this and uh, wanted to get an expert opinion. And, of course, Mike, your, your name came up. So I uh, wanted to... Uh, revisit this topic, and, and what can you tell us about the? I, I know it's in effect. I know it's an emergency AD. Have you been paying much attention to how the uh, uh, how this is being received in the field? Oh well, I've been paying a little attention. Um, the uh, information that I have on it is quite anecdotal um, because throughout this whole process and continuing, um, Lycoming, who is the outfit that actually knows for sure how many uh, replacement connecting rods are being ordered and so on and how many of these tools are being shipped to mechanics in the field, um, they're totally closed mouth. They have been stonewalling us from the very, very beginning uh, of this whole uh, process that I have been fairly vocal about in my opposition, both in print and uh, Last month at a two-day meeting that we had with the FAA um, up in uh, up in Boston, um, I was I was pretty vocal with the FAA folks about how badly this whole thing was handled. But um, the problem, first of all, just the the technical problem. It's really not an issue of wear jab. Um, Lycoming for about a year um, was using and shipping to the field. Um, uh, piston pin bushings, uh, uh, the, the the bushings that that are press fit into the small end of the connecting rod, where the piston pin connects to the uh, to the uh, uh, connecting rod. Um, these are bushings that are press fit into the connecting rod with a hydraulic press, and are supposed to stay there <laughs> for the life of the <laughs> connecting rod. Um, but the only reason they stay there is because they have a nice interference fit with the connecting rod. Well, uh, apparently for at least a year, uh, Lycoming was using in-house and shipping out to overhaul shops and so on um, what what they very kindly call non-conforming bushings. Um, where the outside diameter was smaller than it was supposed to be, so it didn't have a nice tight interference fit when it was pressed into the connecting rod. Um, uh, in fact, it, it appears that that there was a, a major quality control problem because these bushings came out in all sorts of different sizes. Some of them had a pretty good fit. Some of them had a, a loose fit. Some of them fit so loosely that you could press the darn things out with your finger without even using a tool. Um, it, it, it was just a mess. And, um, some of these bushings wound up in engines that Lycoming built, brand new ones, um, factory, uh, uh, um, 
you know, factory factory rebuilt engines. Mm -hmm. um, And some of them went out to the field where various shops that are in the business of reconditioning connecting rods for overhaul shops were were putting them into uh, connecting rods. So it's all over the place that the the AD has a list of Lycoming serial numbered engines uh, that have these non-conforming bushings in them, but that's only the tip of the iceberg because that only includes the bushings that in the engines that Lycoming built or rebuilt. Uh, right. There's a lot of other engines that aren't listed explicitly in the AD that have connecting rods that were rebushed in the field. Um, this alone has been a, a huge problem because the 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 uh, the outfits that do the rebushing, uh, you know, Rick Romans in in Tulsa, for example, a number of shops that do this have been absolutely overwhelmed with phone calls saying, "Hey, you know the the the, the rods you rebushed for us last August, did did they have the bad bushings in them or not? Because I need to know if I'm mm-hmm. affected by the AD." And these poor companies are pretty much ground to a halt, just trying to to research the paperwork to come up with answers to, to these things. It's, it's really a mess. What, um, what is FIA telling you when you point out a, bu- a bunch of, of these problems that this idea is creating? Well, the, the, this thing was, was bad on so many levels, Jeff. Um, yeah. uh, I mean, first of all, it's, 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 it's <clears throat> bad that, that, that Lycoming was shipping these bad bushings for so long. Um, from what I can tell, uh, talking to um, uh, to companies in the field that, that rebush connecting rods for a living, uh, the problem with these loose bushings has been known for a long time, for at least a year. Really? A- and I had lots of people say, oh, yeah, we haven't used those crappy Lycoming bushings. They fall out. We use superior bushings. So <laughs> it, wa- it, wasn't, it wasn't a big secret. But apparently... Um, Lycoming didn't see fit to blow the whistle on it or do anything about it and kind of wanted it to go away quietly until, you know, some airplanes started falling out of the sky. And uh, then it got on the FAA's radar screen. And um, the FAA decided this this was a a huge emergency and um, issued this emergency AD without um, allowing the people who are affected by this, the owner community, mm-hmm. to, to weigh in. And uh, um, they're not supposed to do that. And we, the, I mean, everybody agrees that this is a problem. Everybody agrees something has to do about it. There's no, there's no we're, we're not arguing there shouldn't have been an AD. Right. We, we, we think that the AD that was issued was, uh, the the corrective action was unnecessarily invasive, and that there was a much better way of dealing with it. But uh, at at the meta level, we also think that it's disgraceful that the FAA essentially locked the users out of the process in coming up with this thing. And uh, we made a lot of noise with the FAA about this to uh, express our displeasure with it. And you know, it's it, it's a real contrast with what happened only about two months before where we had this other thing with continental uh, camshaft gear right. uh, failures 
where we the the owners were able to get in the process, engage the FAA in dialogue, then ultimately engage both the FAA and Continental in dialogue, and we all talked it over, and um, we we were able to persuade the FAA that this problem didn't did not rise to the level of something that would 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 warrant an AD. And we were able to persuade Continental to downgrade their mandatory service bulletin to a not not mandatory service bulletin, and that's the way the system is supposed to work. And, mm-hmm. and even if we had lost that one, at least we would have been in the process, and we would have felt that we, you know, had a fair hearing. Right. Um, what was so horrible about the way the Lycoming thing was handled, in my view, was that we that, that we never had a voice in the process. Yeah. Um, you know, the c- couple of guys in the New York ACO and a couple of guys in Lycoming just sort of ramrodded this through with, without without any transparency and basically without listening. We we had a very specific alternative proposal for how this rod bushing issue should should have been handled, which would have um, cost a lot less money, grounded a lot less air aircraft and and only um, dealt with the engines that were actually having a book bushing migration problem um, instead of basically ripping apart every single one of the engines that could have possibly had a non bushing which is the way the ad came out uh, we, we just think it was the wrong solution it it, it, it is a problem mm-hmm. it, it was a serious problem you know the guys that were that are hurt the most by this Mm-hmm. Are the helicopter guys Robinson helicopters? How's that? Be- because on those aircraft, you can't remove a cylinder. You have to remove the engine from the mm-hmm. aircraft. Mm-hmm. So it's a huge deal for those guys. <laughs> it's huge, and and they never had a voice in this process. It just, you know, it happened, and it was. I, I think it was, it was shameful the way it was handled. You, you so mentioned, Mike, uh, Dave. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, uh, just. I think it might help our listeners if they understood what the result of of this quality control problem would be if left uncorrected. Well, the and 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 in our in our letter to the FAA where we were were proposing that they consider an alternative approach, which they didn't do, uh, we were quite specific about how how these non-conforming bushings can lead to failure. Um, the, what happens is if the, if the bushing doesn't, it, it isn't secured tightly in the end of the connecting rod, which was the effect of these bushings that didn't have quite the right diameter, the, the bushing will, will migrate sideways uh, out of the connecting rod. But it can't migrate very far because when it migrates about a sixteenth of an inch out of the connecting rod, it runs into the piston. Mm-hmm. And so the migration stops at that point and can't continue unless the little sixteenth of an inch sliver of the bushing that is protruding out the side of the rod breaks off, which eventually it will. And once the little piece breaks off, now the bushing can continue to migrate another sixteenth of an inch until it runs into the piston again. Oh and, you know, lather, rinse, repeat, and if this happens enough – then, then enough of the bushing will have migrated out of the connecting rod that that there can actually be a failure, and there have been some failures. Um, I believe that 
there were five documented failures that the FAA is willing to talk about. Lycoming's not willing to talk about any of the failures. Um, but so, surprise, so, surprise. So, what we, so what we proposed as an alternative approach to dealing with this problem, and it seemed to me it made a lot of sense, and I ran it by a whole bunch of, of very smart engine people before we proposed it to the FAA, was simply to have a protocol that said every – some appropriate interval every 25 hours, say, um, you do an oil change. You, you, you drain the oil out of the engine, but you drain it through a piece of window screen. And you'd look at the window screen and see if there were any, you know, circular slivers of, of bearing material there. Then after the oil was drained out, you would pull a suction screen. And Lycoming's have a removable suction screen, easily removable for inspection, and see if there were any circular slivers of bearing in the suction screen. And finally, you'd stick a borescope in the oil drain hole, and you'd look around in the bottom of the pan and see if there were any semicircular slivers of bearing material sitting at the bottom of the pan. And if you, could, if you didn't see any semicircular slivers of bearing material in any of those three places, you'd put oil back in the engine and say you're good to go for another 25 or 50 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, that way, only the engines that actually did have a bearing migration problem would wind up having to be taken apart rather than all of the engines that could possibly have had the problem. Um, so that's what we proposed to the FAA, and they weren't interested in in considering it. And they, 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 I mean, they never debated it. They never said, well, we don't think that'll work because it was simply not it was simply simply wasn't wasn't part of the process. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned the the, the um, Continental camshaft gear AD and how the FAA handled that differently or, or responded to it differently. Um, comparing the two situations, um, what are some of the uncommon factors? I mean, is this is this really? I mean, is this a matter of personalities and and offices within the agency? Um, well, I, I don't, I, I can't really say that. I, I, I do have to say that, you know, that, that we've dealt with a lot of the aircraft certification offices around the country and mm-hmm. some of them have reputations of being fairly reasonable to deal with. And, and Atlanta who has oversight over continental is one of those, um, you know, Seattle, Chicago, there's some really good ones to deal with. And then there are some that have a reputation of being pretty terrible to deal with. Fort Worth is one that we've had horrible problems with. But the New York ACO has not been particularly easy to deal with either. And they're the ones that have oversight over Lycoming. Uh-huh. Um, so there may be some of that involved. But, the, you know, what, what we have been trying to achieve with the FAA and we, we, I think, did pretty well achieve it with regard to what used to be the small airplane directorate. Um, but we never quite gotten there, although I think we're making some progress, with the part of the FA that used to be the engine and propeller director. And I keep saying used to be because they just had this big reorganization right. and none of these things are call, called what they used to be called. But pretty much the people are still there and the offices are still there. They're just... They just slid, slid around a little bit on the org chart, and everybody's kind of confused about what it all means. <laughs> um, but uh, the 
the I mean, basically, what we've been trying to impress upon uh, all these folks in in the aircraft certification service that that deals with ads is that the people who are most affected have to be part of the process of of yeah. of, of creating these ads, and their input has to be considered. Um, and traditionally, the AD process has worked pretty well in the airline world, for example, because the lines of communication between the FAA and the airlines typically are, are open and they typically do discuss these things. Mm-hmm. In the world of general aviation, traditionally, the process has not worked very well. Because the FAA typically talks to the manufacturers, but they don't talk to the owners. And, you know, part of that is because the owners aren't, aren't nearly as well organized. Um, part of the fact is that, you know, most owners don't have engineering knowledge or engineering staffs or people who can talk their language. And um, so the owners have to pretty much rely on alphabet groups and so on, people who are, are representing them and do have that capability. And... In recent years, I think we've been doing a better job of, of the people in the aircraft owner community or aircraft owner representation community, if you will, of banding together and trying to speak more with one voice to the FAA and have a more effective voice. The, the, you know, the, the proximity of these two events, the Continental one, which in my view is a perfect example of how the system, how how the the process ought to work, and the Lycoming one, which is a perfect example of how it shouldn't ever be allowed to work. Um, you know, these things happen right next to one another, and yeah. Uh, yeah. When, and the when, only difference is the region. Well, I don't, I I don't know that that's true. That the only difference is the region. That look, there's. One of the key differences here, uh, Dave, was that um, in the case of the the continental thing that, that that was threatening to be an AD, we were able to argue that you know that the level of risk did not rise high enough to warrant an AD because there were just so few failures or that they. Over a very long time, nobody ever got hurt because of it because the, the very few failures that did happen almost always happened on the ground. Um, it, that was not the case with the Lycoming one. The, the Lycoming one was had actually caused some engine failures. Mm-hmm. And n- unlike the Continental situation where we, we were arguing there shouldn't be an AD, and ultimately the FAA accepted that argument, in the case of the Lycoming AD, nobody was arguing there shouldn't be an AD. The only question was exactly what the corrective action ought to be. And and we wanted a corrective action that would be less invasive uh, and, and more selective, if you will. Um, but also just the whole process that we, we, we wanted to feel that we had a voice in it, that, 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 that we, the, the, the aircraft owner community, the guys are going to have to foot the bill for all this, um, you know, had a voice in the process. Uh, that's very important. And, and, and in this particular case, we didn't. We were shut. We were shut out. 
Mike, so oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Jeb. Uh, this is Jack. Um, Mike, I'm so sorry. where do we stand on all this now? The the AD is in effect, and and it's the it's the law or the rule or the requirement now. Is that correct? That that is correct. It, it was effective. I believe it was August fifteenth, yeah. and. Um, and, and it had a ten a ten hour compliance time, right. which which Jeez. meant which meant that effectively there was you know that under normal circumstances, if we fight an AD and it comes out anyway, then the next step would be to propose an alternative means of compliance and see if we could get the AMOC um, approved. But in this case, that wasn't possible because there was a ten hour compliance time. <laughs> So by the time any AMOC could get in front of anybody at the FAA for consideration, all the all, all the engines would have already been taken apart. So it was particularly unfortunate. Yeah, is it possible? Do you, are there any particular aircraft that are particularly hit by this, or is it across the fleet? Well, it it it's a, a very wide swath of Lycoming engines. It's pretty much every Lycoming engine that was built, rebuilt were overhauled during a two-year period. So that's a lot of engines. Holy moly. Um, uh, you know, if you, when you say certain aircraft particularly hit, um, as I mentioned, helicopters are, are particularly hit because, uh, because it's, it's a lot harder to, to do what the AD calls for in a helicopter because you have to pull the engine out of the helicopter before you can pull cylinders. But to give you an idea of... You know, one of the reasons I was so displeased with this whole thing, we we got on the phone uh, with, with we had a con- big conference call with with representatives of the New York ACO and representatives of Lycoming, and we had questions for them. We said, you know, how ma- how many failures have there been, and at what time in service did these failures occur? I mean, what, what we were trying to get at was, you know, is this an infant mortality problem? If you have a loose bushing, um, is the failure going to happen pretty quickly? Or another way of saying that is if if a bunch of bushings got put in your engine and you've got 500 hours on them, are you out of the woods yet? And they, they, they refused to give us any information about how many failures, what the pattern of failures were, what the relationship of failures to time and service was, um, they would not answer any questions. In, f- in fact, I asked them, you know, the, 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 what they were proposing, which ultimately became an AD, was that mechanics would have to, to buy a, a special tool from Lycoming that would apply a side load to the bushing and and to see whether it was loose or not, and I asked what the what the tool was going to cost. They wouldn't even answer that question. They, <laughs> they simply would not answer any questions whatsoever. Wow. And then we went to the FAA and said, "Well, you've got the answers to all of this stuff." And the FAA said, and actually, they they, they almost were right about it. They said, "If Lycoming gives us information." and says it's confidential, we have to hold it confidential. Now, when we met with the FAA last month in in um, in, in Boston, we had a, a two-day meeting with them and covered a lot of this stuff, they admitted that 
if that, that if a manufacturer gives them like engineering data that's that that that's marked proprietary, they have to keep it in confidence. But incident data should never be proprietary; it should always be released. But that wasn't that wasn't the what what they that was not the the, the position that they took when when this emergency AD was going through. They would not release any information to us whatsoever. What happens next? Uh, obviously, the AD is in effect, and obviously, it's being implemented in the field. Is there another shoe that's going to drop? With regard to the Lycoming thing? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I've heard rumors of of, of, of possible class action suits against Lycoming. Uh-huh. But I don't know whether there's whether anything's going to come out of it. It's it's not easy to get a class certified, and yeah. uh, you know I'm not anybody that ever really is particularly enthusiastic about litigation as a remedy in aviation. I think there's too much of it to begin right. with. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we Mike, we promised Mike we wouldn't take up too much of his time this afternoon. Right. And, right. Uh, and I, I wanted to touch on a, on one other subject. Um, uh, Jeb and Dave, any other follow up questions on this Lycoming thing? And uh, before no. I move on, uh, no, I'm good. Mike, uh, Savvy Aviation. Tell us a little bit about Savvy Aviation. Oh, how much time do I have? <laughs> um, We're here for the duration, well, Mike. You've got as much time sa- sa- as you sa- want. Sa- Savvy Aviation is, is a company that I started nine years ago. I can't believe it's nine years ago. Um, and we started out as a maintenance management company. Um, we basically, what the, the service we offered, which we still offer, and it's a big part of our business, is was was to to act as representatives for aircraft owners with respect to the the maintenance of their aircraft. So, in in effect, we would act like their maintenance lawyers, if you will, and we would be the ones that interfaced with their shops and mechanics. We would give the shops marching orders if we didn't like what the shop was coming up with as a discrepancy list we'd push back if we didn't like invoices we'd push back and the the when i say we the, the each of our clients that signed up for this service would basically get his own personal ANPIA representative who would not be acting as an ANPIA he'd be acting as 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 the the owner's representative if you will the owner's you know personal director of maintenance um and that was the service that we started the business with. It still represents um, well over half of, of the total business we do. But since that time, over the last nine years, we've diversified into several other areas. Um, one of the most important and probably the fastest growing part of our business, um, which we started about five years ago, is uh, the group called Savvy Analysis, um, which which is in the business of of um, doing analysis of um, engine monitor data, or although nowadays it goes far beyond engines because the newer generation of aircraft are instrumented up the yin yang; they record everything. <laughs> um, but analyzing all of that data that that our modern aircraft. Are, are capturing in huge quantities and but but most of which has been going into the bit bucket 
and we've done some some really exciting things uh, with it. We we are we're now generating uh, report cards for 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 our customers where where they can see how various aspects of their operation, um, you know, cylinder head temperatures, oil pressures, miles per gallon, um, altitude profiles, uh, all sorts of performance statistics, how they compare with the hundreds of or thousands of other aircraft of the same type that 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 we have in our database we, we now have about 1.3 million general aviation flights in our database wow thousands yeah. of data points per flight it's a, it's a huge huge uh thing and we're doing some really really cool stuff with that data um the the other probably the newest thing that that we have been doing um and this is only about a year old is that we uh we launched a um a breakdown assistance program essentially a triple a for general aviation mm-hmm. uh where where we operate a 24 7 hotline uh, if you subscribe to the breakdown assistance service which then if you have any sort of a mechanical problem away from home, which we define as being at least 50 miles from your home base. Um, you, you, you call the hotline day, night, weekends, whenever, within five minutes, you've got a, an IA on the other end of the line walking you through the problem, um, trying to diagnose it, which we almost always can do remotely, um, determining whether the problem affects safety of flight or whether it's okay to fly home that way. And if it is a safety of flight issue, um, making arrangements with, with whatever maintenance resources are required to get the problem resolved so you can get on your way. The, the, you know, when, when I started, when, when I started this, uh, it, I had always been amazed that the general aviation is the only category of owner-operated motor vehicle for which there wasn't such a program. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all familiar with AAA for cars. There are similar problems for 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 boats, RVs, snowmobiles, pretty much any <laughs> any other uh, kind of motor vehicle other than than airplanes. And I said, well, then there needs to be a program like this for airplanes. Now, of course, it's a lot harder for airplanes because you can't tow them. You usually have to <laughs> tow them wherever yeah. they are. And it's a highly regulated business and a highly litigious business, and all of those things make it a little bit more difficult to deal with breakdowns uh, in airplanes than, than than for for cars or boats or snowmobiles. But you know, we we have developed a methodology for doing that, and, and it's um, I think it's a real exciting program. And uh, we we're just in the process of inking a contract that I can't really talk about yet, but the it's going to cause this program to get much, much larger next year than it has than it was last year. So that's kind of, that's not everything we're doing, but that's kind of a, a those, quick. Yeah, those all sound terrific. I, I've been following some of these uh, over the years uh, with fascination, some really interesting things you guys are into and, 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 and you know, services you're providing. Um, I was uh, at, I was in the back of the room for a little while uh, at one of your presentations at the uh, AOPA Groton fly-in a couple weekends ago. Um, what's that presentation that you were doing there, and are you doing it again in Tampa? Uh, yes. Um, if you recall, when AOPA terminated its uh, its 
national expo event and and substituted the, a series of regional fly-ins instead. O- originally, these were one-day affairs on Saturdays, um, and uh, they have expanded them this year to uh, into two-day events. The Saturday event still exists more or less the way it used to, but they uh, but they they offer four parallel all-day seminar tracks on Fridays of, of each of these events. Um, and um, one of the tracks is a maintenance track. Um, and uh, three of us, uh, Adrian Eichhorn, uh, Paul New, and myself, all three of us were National Aviation Maintenance Technician of the, of the Year award winners are, are doing this, uh, this maintenance track on Fridays. And we have done them in... Camarillo, Norman, Oklahoma, Groton, Connecticut, and the last one is um, is uh, is coming up a weekend after next in Tampa. Um, and uh, we're not 100% sure what AOPA is going to do on this next year, but we're pretty sure that they're going to continue this, and mm-hmm. so we probably will continue doing it. In, uh, Are these sessions open to anybody who just shows up and wants to attend? The Friday sessions have a tuition. Okay. Um, you, you, they're they're paid sessions. The Saturday stuff is all free. Uh, as Adrian and I also do a, a one hour session on evaluating engine health on Saturdays. That may have been the one that you set in on. That sounds familiar. Yeah, uh, Jack. Um, but the and and that that's that that's free. Everything on Saturday is free, but on um, except. I think maybe the food. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think right. the food you have to pay for. I was disappointed that the food wasn't. <laughs> I, it's quite an event. The, uh, those fly-ins are, are really something. Yeah, I, I got they, a chance. That was my are. first one I've ever had a chance to attend. The, but, uh, the one, the one that we did in Norman, Oklahoma, was was a, a record breaker. The, the weather was perfect. I guess the location was turned out to be good because it drew all the, the planes from Texas and so on. And we had a huge, huge crowd. The Groton was was actually a pretty good pretty good event too yeah, yeah. I, I was worried that we weren't going to have a tampa one because i wasn't sure tampa was still going to be there the <laughs> airport the airport in tampa bay the peter o'knight's only seven feet above sea level but it turned out that that there wasn't a storm surge in uh, in tampa and so apparently everything's okay they tell me yeah well, uh, we've kept you uh, much longer than we promised we would, and we really appreciate that. Um, I, in a minute, I'm going to ask you how people can find you on the Internet. But before we let you go, is there anything we didn't ask you about that you want to talk about? Is there, a, is there any subject that you want to get the word out about? Uh, oh, I don't know. You, I, 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 is there any I'm, other? I'm, is there I'm another? sure I could occupy you for another couple of hours if I you like. <laughs> I, I don't think you better do that. Um, uh, okay, I, w- I will mention one quickie. Yes. Um, I do a uh, a uh, a free hour and a half maintenance webinar uh, on the first Wednesday of every month. The next one is is the first of November. Uh, those are sponsored by uh, EAA and Aircraft Spruce, and uh, and they are free. And we usually get four, five, six hundred people uh, showing up, and then thousands of people watching the videos afterwards. And so. I, I would invite anybody who is interested to uh, uh, to attend those 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 free webinars on the first uh, first Wednesday of every month. I've done more than seventy of them now, mm-hmm. 
And by wow. the way, and they're all recorded so that, that there's a huge archive of, of, of video webinars um, in the it's uh, eaa.org slant webinar is where you find that okay. stuff. Okay. And in and general, cool. Me, where, oh, where can okay, people, Mike, ahead. where can people find out about uh, all of your activities, uh, Savvy Aviation, et cetera, uh, on the Internet? Yeah, the best place to go is simply SavvyAviation.com. Uh, there's two V's in Savvy. Some people mess that up. But there's, uh, <laughs> SavvyAviation.com, um, you can find pretty much everything we do and there's a, a, a one of the menu items when you go to saviation.com is called resources and if you go there you'll find an archive of, of of all my articles my ea sport aviation articles my aopa pilot articles all my webinar videos everything a lot lots of lots of cool stuff there and that's all free of course so uh saviation.com and go to the resources tab if you want a lot of reading material or, or listening material Excellent. Thank you for uh, all the stuff that you do and for taking some time to talk to us about this Lycoming thing and, and other things, and uh, uh, really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure, guys. We'll do it again, again soon. Yeah, let, let's do that. Yeah. Jeb, thanks so much for organizing the uh, Mike Bush visit. That was pretty fascinating. My pleasure. Mike and I obviously go way back uh, to the to the web days, just as, as Dave goes back uh, with Mike. Uh, so uh, it's always a pleasure to chat with him. Formally and informally. Yeah, and and obviously a really smart guy, um, but but really into some fascinating stuff. Um, some of the programs that he's developed and 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 uh, created over the years, and this data analysis thing fascinates me. I I, I remember one time, I, I don't think it was at the tie down party, but for some reason I remember we were having a conversation with him one evening during Oshkosh there right. on the he grass was, at, at he was staying at the super eight, at the one super eight. with us and uh and he was telling us talking about, yeah, yeah he was telling us about that data thing that data analysis thing and how how um even then and this is like like probably five years ago um mm-hmm. even back then they had analyzed enough data and they were able to actually in retrospect see the beginnings of various failures in the data and then start to develop a model to try and predict it, and uh, um, that's just that's just pretty fascinating to me. And yeah. apparently, that program's just grown over the years. So, I, I don't think I'm telling stories out of school when I say that Mike's uh, uh, basically a programmer by profession. Uh, that's how he made his money years ago, and uh, you know, continues that that uh, um, his, his math skills and. and uh, his math training and whatnot, and bringing it to focus on general aviation issues. He, most of the time, Mike's one of the smartest guys in the room. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. What else is going on in aviation here? Let's see now. Um, uh, so, following up on some things that we've talked about in past issues, uh, issues episodes. Um, the, we talked, uh, I think it was Jeb, so I'm, I'm going to refer you guys to, a, there's a link in the show notes here about uh, uh, a, a posting in the forums. And, uh, and uh, in the forums, uh, listener Boz196 uh, wrote, uh, hello you cappers, he said, uh, on yesterday's podcast, and he wrote this back in July, so this is a while ago. Um, uh, on yesterday's podcast, Jeb was complaining about the lack of new technology in airplanes other than avionics. Um, he said, even in today's air, uh, Oshkosh Air Show, you can walk up to a Cessna near, the beachcraft, near, near a Beechcraft, and it's essentially built the same way as it was 40 years ago. But then he goes on to talk about uh, uh, things that, that 
if I'm reading this correctly, he's saying well, there are some things that are new. Have you, have you guys looked at this list? I have not looked at this, and it's a, it's a pretty good list. Um, um, so avionics isn't the only place where we're seeing mm -hmm. advancements, is, is, uh, is Boz 196's point here. Mm -hmm. and, and, it's, and he makes some very good points. Um, the only thing I would suggest is that I don't know that I was complaining, maybe remarking. That makes sense. Uh, yeah, I, you may not have been complaining. I probably was. I've always <laughs> we're kind of stuck in many regards. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. So um, you know, but uh, you know, I mean, just to kind of, I don't know if there's any of these items you want to want to elaborate on. But he lists 14 different specific things that he talks yeah. about uh, uh, being being uh, developments or advancements. Carbon carbon brakes with anti-skid, nanocarbon fuselages, fly-by-wire flight controls, the ability to use autogas, which is ironic that that would be an advancement, but I agree it is. Uh, uh, rotary engine, uh, Wankel rotary engines, uh, uh, sapphire windscreens, uh, uh, 3D printed titanium uh, parts like landing gear, struts, and that kind of thing. Uh, uh, things designed with uh, with computer-aided design, uh, leading-edge devices uh, for for slow flight, um, and it goes on and on. Uh, it's a pretty interesting list. Uh, we'll put a link in uh, in the show notes to this particular forums posting. Um, even if you're not registered for the forums, you should be able to take a look at this. And uh, yeah, but it's uh, a good list. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, thank, uh, thanks to. Um to uh, Boz196. Yeah. Appreciate it. Who, who, who may or may not be a he. I, I was trying to figure out if there was any indication here. Uh, Boz, signed, with, signed with a C. With the letter C. So uh, yeah. there, there's, I, I, I'm not... Could be Charlie, that. could be Catherine. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. I, either could... Yeah. Okay, never mind. Yeah. There's a... There's a uh, never mind. There was a joke there yeah, that some of mind. our listeners would not like, so I won't make it. <clears throat> no. I, there's no joke. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, this is Jack. We here at Uncontrolled Airspace are very grateful for the financial support we receive from our listeners. There are two simple ways that you can contribute to this podcast. You can make a one-time, non-repeating donation by using PayPal. It doesn't need to be very much. As little as 10 or $15 is a big, big help. Or you can make an automatically repeating per-episode pledge with Patreon. With the online service Patreon.com, you can pledge as little as $1 per episode, put limits on your per-month contribution, and change or cancel your pledge at any time. For more information about how you can support this podcast in one of these ways, see the Uncontrolled Airspace homepage and the box in the right-hand column labeled Tip Jar. That will take you to a page with details on both these support methods. Thanks. We also talked um, uh, sometime recently, I'm pretty sure we talked about the uh, collision between the uh, Delta 737 and the American Airlines 757, which uh, they're, um, one, of them taxiing, uh, one of them taxiing past the other, its wingtip clipped the tail of the, of the other. Um, and uh, um, it, it's, uh, it, it's, and, and what, what I've got to follow up with this is a, a YouTube video that is a, a, a visualization. Someone sat down and actually created an animation, if you will, sort of on the map, uh, on a drawing, on, on a ground plan of how this all played out uh, with, the, uh, with the live ATC, ATC uh, 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 track playing in the background. Um, and it's pretty fascinating to see how this all played out. Um, and I don't know if you guys have had a chance to look at this. 
I'm looking at it now. Actually. The, the part that I find found even more notable, you know, kind of seeing how what led up to the to the collision to the to the uh, contact between the two aircraft was the 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 challenge of sorting it out after the fact. All right, um, because uh, it happened um, on a on a taxiway near the departure end of a runway. Um, but they, there were two or three or more aircraft behind the incident aircraft on this taxiway trying to get out. And so the controller had to, A, had to scramble emergency uh, uh, you know, services to make sure that there weren't any and no one was in danger. And they, they did that and seemed to do that very well. Um, but then also had to try and figure out how to untangle this traffic problem on the airport grounds. Um, in, in including things like you know having having airliners back taxi on another runway in order to or asking them if they were cap- if they were allowed I mean it was really I was kind of impressed with the uh, ground control that we were listening to and and how uh, how uh, 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 seemingly I mean I'm, I'm no expert on this but he seemed to do a pretty good job of this I, I'm not sure if you guys are able to listen to the audio while while you're looking at it right now but uh, that part's almost more fascinating than what led up to the to the uh, to the contact. Have either of you listened to it? Have you had a chance to listen? No, I'm 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 letting it spool through while right. we're talking. Yeah. With the sound. And it's got, I'm, it's using, got I'm looking of, at it with the sound off. Yeah. Right. It's got sort of closed captiony kinds of things going on there, so uh-huh. you can, you uh-huh. can see the words. But uh, um, it, it's it's interesting, and uh, and uh, kudos to the uh, controller um, who who uh, you know I mean, and controllers they're they're you know they're all great. I I'm I've been almost universally. Um, um, impressed with air traffic controllers in my years flying, uh, and in that regard, this one was no different. But still, um, he he kept his calm and and made sure that the emergency equipment got out to, because they couldn't even you know once they reported that this collision had happened, um, it, it was it was uh, smart for them not to let them taxi any further for a variety of reasons, um, and so they had to have them stop on the runway until someone could come out and actually inspect the uh, aircraft, um, and and well, they had so, debris on the on the. Ta- also, and they so wanted to is, make sure, you know, yeah, about the about, yeah. about FOD, and uh, you know, and and so the controller did a seemed to me, anyways, to do a really good job of prioritizing the safety things while also trying to get uh, the other other aircraft moving around the airport. And so, uh, interesting video. I, 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 if you're at all curious about this incident, take a look at this video, um, and and uh, see what you think. And kudos to I guess it's Vasa or Vasa Aviation. For putting this together, yeah, yeah, it's a very interesting piece of video, and I, I, I assume it's accurate. It seems to, you know, what we're seeing in the visualization seems consistent with what the uh, the ATC track is is saying, um, but uh, it looks pretty good. It looks pretty good. Uh, FAA has money to spend. Yeah, for a while. For a while. For a while. For a- yeah, <laughs> for about five, for about five more months. For yeah, right. So many jokes, so little time. Uh, what's the story about this? So they they passed out. What is this a continuing resolution or what's the right? How does this work? What's going on? This is a six month funding uh, uh, extension. Basically, they take the the um, uh, annual numbers or the most recent annual numbers and prorate it out for six months and authorize the FAA until March thirty one. Uh, otherwise, uh, the FAA would have shut down on September 30. Um, the, the fact that they've done this extension is not really all that big a deal. Um, what's the big deal is twofold. One, they did this extension, and, and uh, part of the reason they, they had to do the extension is the ongoing uh, uh, controversy and uh, indecision on what to do about ATC privatization. 
The second part of it is ATC privatization is not finished with yet. It will be back, and it will be back uh, whenever Congress takes up uh, a longer-term FIA funding bill. Um, and if there's anything uh, uh, that was a central theme at the NBAA show last week, it was uniform and, and uh, uh, unilateral opposition to ATC privatization. Yeah. Uh, David, anything to yeah. add to that? Not really. Um, the, uh, the, the the whole exercise, if, if I may, and I hope I'm not repeating, I yawned in the middle of something because the dog yawned and, and, and it's contagious. But this is all emblematic of what the root problem with FAA funding is, and that's that Congress can't get its stuff together and deal with this on a long-term basis. So we got six months this time. Last year, or last time we got two years. We used to get five-year authorizations with money uh, budgeted so that the FAA could plan and execute programs without worrying about it overspending their piggy bank and uh, now we're just doing good to keep the lights on and the doors open with short term extensions and short term problems and then some people want to blame that problem on air traffic control being managed by the government and that's just a blizzard mm-hmm. yeah so uh, I mean one one thing to take from all this is that it's not time to delete your representative's contact from your from your phones yet. Um, it's exactly um, you know it seems like people have done a pretty good job of getting their word to their reps, but um, it, this will be an ongoing thing is I think the case well the the, the, the fat lady's not even in the wing waiting to sing it, yeah yeah I, I, this is far from over. Um, not to jump on Dave or, or, or Jack for that matter. This is far from over. We've got a, br- a brief respite, um, and um, those the proponents of this ill-conceived proposal are um, not going to to uh, uh, pick up their toys and go home just because there was a six-month uh, FAA extension um, um, uh, passed. Uh, they're in this for the long haul. And if we don't have to, even if we try to, let me put it in the, even if we stick the, uh, drive the stake through its heart here, uh, this go around, it will be back. And uh, um, keep those cards and letters coming in uh, is, is the, the, the quick uh, advice that I would give. Yeah. Yep. So, okay. I mentioned earlier that uh, both of you are just recently back from the uh, NBAA uh, Expo, or what's it called? It's an NBAA, the National Business Aviation Association, hold their big conference um, each year. Business Aviation Convention and Exposition. Thank thank you. Um, You were both there uh, wearing a variety of hats. Um, How how did it go? What was the show like? Uh, I don't know who wants to go first here. uh, Dave, go ahead. You had a better view of it than I did. Yeah, David. So, was it a big show? Was it was it well attended? Was it, uh, you know? Well, NBAA had been running an estimate of attendance they expected for a couple of months, uh, saying that uh, they were expecting twenty seven thousand delegates and over a thousand exhibitors and about a hundred airplanes out at the static display at Henderson. Uh, and this is, I haven't seen a final number yet. This is strictly my gut. But 
judging by the crowds on the floor the first two days uh, and the number of people filling the hallway for professional training the two days before the convention opened, I, I, uh, I kind of anticipate that they might have gone well over their 27,000 estimate to mm-hmm. 28,000, maybe even 29,000. Uh, their record was set at a Vegas convention. I believe it was 31,000. I'm not sure they got there, uh, but it wouldn't surprise me if they got to 30,000. It was just really, really busy on the convention floor uh, and the uh, workshops and professional training sessions. Uh, the the uh, halls were just thick with suits on Sunday and uh, Monday. So. What was uh, the any any big news? Any big announcements? What what was the story? Uh, well, let's see. GE has uh, made progress on the new engine that they're uh, building for the uh, Cessna Denali turboprop. Uh, there were no new big airplane programs announced. Uh, some airplanes showing up for the first time, like the Gulfstream six hundred, I believe it was. Uh, Desso was uh, busy there. Uh, Cessna was talking about how they're trying to stay busy while holding the price line, uh, which has been problematic for them. Uh, actually, the biggest newsmakers out of this show were uh, from uh, the avionics community. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was just a boatload of stuff coming out of avionics makers. Uh, Garmin unveiled a new uh, digital radar system, airborne uh, weather radar system that uh, got some hot stuff features. And a uh, first for them, a new uh, heads-up display system that has some features that don't, don't generally show up on HUDs. Uh, and then they uh, talked about their recently announced, uh, let's see, what was it, the G500 TXI and G600 TXI uh, which are primary flight display MFD combinations uh, following on from the 500 and 600 models. Uh, these are touchscreen, uh, more features, uh, new stuff. Garmin had a busy show. Uh, Rockwell Collins was uh, talking about some of their uh, new stuff, particularly their uh, new transponder that's ADSB compliant. That's a 1090ES transponder. Uh, Honeywell was showing off some uh, drop-in replacement screens for uh, some of its older models going from CRTs to touchscreens, LCDs. Uh, So not very much happening. (laughs) Well, I I just finished the story about this, uh, wrapping this all up a couple of days ago, and honestly, I'm just like blurred by how much stuff there was to go into that story. And that'll all be out in the next avionics news. Mm-hmm. I, I was pleased to hear, David, that uh, you are uh, doing more uh, photography than you have been, at least than I've been aware of um, in a while. That's very cool. Um, you shoot anything interesting, either either on assignment or on spec? Uh, on spec, a couple of things that uh, may find their way into public uh, dissemination uh, a little bit later, but... Uh, the uh, main jobs I was doing was uh, hired by s- some longtime friends of mine with this uh, media group called Emerald Media. 
and they're uh, bioceanic. That is, they've got folks here in the States and folks in England on both sides of the uh, Atlantic Ocean. I've uh, known most of these ladies for, I'm not going to say how many years because they wouldn't want me to hint at their ages, and I don't want to hint at mine. But <laughs> yeah. what they had... What they had me shooting was pretty uh, workaday stuff. Uh, one of the companies there, Pratt and Whitney Canada, was celebrating the uh, production of their one hundred thousandth engine, and uh, you know that's the PW series, the turbofans and the uh, uh, the uh, PT sixes and PW one hundred series turboprops and uh, helicopter engines and all that, hundred thousand engines for Pratt and Whitney Canada, and they made a series of presentations of plaques to their customers that helped them get to that hundred thousand number. So that was the bulk of my sh- shooting. There was mm-hmm. a plaque, a, a big framed uh, memento with the company's name on it being handed off from uh, Pratt & and Whitney folks to the company in question. That included Pilatus and Daher and Cessna and uh, Embraer and uh, I did six and I think there were two or three more that I didn't do that fell into that. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it was fun. The Pratt & Whitney people were lovely to work with. Uh about half of it ran on schedule, which is always nice, and the other half uh, ran on the uh, air show time schedule that we're all used to. <laughs> you know, you, you, you say you're going to be someplace at X o'clock, and it's actually X20 o'clock when they finally get there. But it was good. Everybody was cooperative. We managed to get shots where everybody's eyes were open and everybody was smiling. Uh, no convention badges, so you get no glare off the uh plastic uh, liner and uh, very nice and was happy to do the work. Yeah. Jeb, you uh, obviously had a little bit different view of the, uh, of the mm-hmm. show, uh, perhaps limited because of the other responsibilities you have, but, but right. what, what, what's your sense of the show? Was it? Uh, well, I would, I would agree with Dave. Uh, he didn't, he didn't say anything with which I would uh, um, argue. Um, you know, you, people typically look at these shows as, well, you know, is NetJets going to make a major buy of citations? Or uh, uh, is Embraer going to introduce a new jet? Or uh, what about Dassault? Or, or uh, uh, what about Bombardier? What are, what are they going to come up with next, you know? Um, and that's not what this year's show was about. Um, Dave, I think, again, hit the nail on the head. There's a lot going on out there. It's it's not uh, um, um, I don't know, revolutionary, for lack of a better word. It's it's more incremental. Um, there's a lot going on in avionics. There's a lot going on in engines. There's a lot going on in in uh, uh, in-flight entertainment, uh, cabin management systems for the for larger uh, uh, aircraft. Um, <clears throat> you've got a, a a lot of competition evolving in. Uh, um, airborne, what I call airborne Wi-Fi or, or uh, uh, air-to-ground connectivity, whether it's uh, via terrestrial uh, um, uh, means or via satellite. Um, you've got several companies that are competing on price, on service, on uh, on bandwidth. 
um, on security. There's uh, I, I worked on an article about uh, um, internet security aboard airplanes, uh, which is an ever increasingly interesting topic. I would suggest. Um, from my perspective, yeah, um, the show was busy. There was always something going on. Uh, frequently, you needed to be in two places at the same time, which you know obviously made a lot of things difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody seemed upbeat. Um, if there's any metric um, that um, um, would be on the on the, the downside, if you will, on the on the um, not good side of the coin. Um, yeah, um, industry wide, um, prices are, are depressed for new aircraft. Prices are depressed for used aircraft. Um, the uh, the average number of days. Another article I worked on. The average number of days a used business jet is on the market is slowly reducing. Um, but then again, so are the average prices. Um, things like that. Um, so you know, it's it's more a factor of of uh, the overall economy than it is any any intrinsic. Uh, fault or a characteristic of the industry. Um, some ways, um, uh, business aviation uh, is kind of the canary in the coal mine for the for the macro economy, and that doesn't really tell me a whole lot in the sense that we all kind of know that the economy is fairly sluggish for most sectors, and that's that kind of rings true if you look at uh, business aircraft sales and, and uh, activities. Um, so from that standpoint, um, you know, there, there wasn't, you know, anything earth shaking, but you know, you you don't get earth shaking stuff at at these shows every year either. So, but the the attendance was great. Everybody I talked to was having a great show. Some booths were standing room only. Um, a lot of uh, partnership announcements, a lot of, uh, of, um, you know, new components or, are uh, uh, subcomponents or things like that. Uh, a lot of innovation going on, just as just as uh, we talked about uh, with the lower end of GA and uh, with our uh, our uh, uh, listener in the forums. Um, same things going on in business aviation at a, at a larger scale. Yeah. Um, yeah, that bumped into on uh, day two. That'd be Wednesday. Uh, was headed from the media room back toward a chute in the North Hall and uh, encountered uh, Ed Bolin, the president and CEO yeah. of, uh, of NBAA, headed in the opposite direction. We stopped, shook hands, he asked me what I thought, and I said, well, I think, you're, uh, I think you may find out that your attendance estimate was low uh, because it sure seems like it's busier than last year by, by a substantial margin uh, Yesterday and today, and he said, "Thanks, you've been to enough of these that that that, that means something to him." And I asked him what he thought. He said, "You know, every show has its own vibe, right. and I'd say for this show, the vibe is really good." And 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 that sums it up. Yeah. The the vibe, the attitude, the atmosphere. Uh, it, it was just above average, and not at all uh, the feeling distressed and 
not at all combative, just determined to fight off the uh, ATC privatization thing, which was another dominant theme at the show this right. year. So, right. mm-hmm. yeah. so um, one last thing about MBWA, uh, speaking of earth-shaking news, um, uh, so did you, I don't know why this tickles me, but it does. Did you guys have to wear jackets and ties again? Is this like, I, I had this image that is like, you know, you guys, you guys put on a jacket and or tie for, you know, weddings, funerals, and, and BAA, and that's the only time you ever. How's jacket and tie uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and slacks and a dressy short sleeve shirt on uh, Thursday? Jeb? Which is vendor, vendor bonding day. Uh, Jeb, that's right. Jeb, you sat at a desk the whole time behind the scenes. You probably got away. Yeah, but I was in a, I was in a coat and suit and tie. Uh, yeah. He, the, whole, the whole thing. Pictures. Yeah, we, pictures? We, Last year, there were a couple of pictures. Are there pictures this year? I don't think so. I'm, I'm hopeful there weren't. <laughs> and I spared, I spared Jeb the embarrassment of having his picture taken that way. So. Yes. You did what? You call yourself a photojournalist? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, but I wasn't. I'm not an airplane. I didn't go to. That could be a title right there. I'm not an airplane. I didn't go to MBAA. I went to the uh, AOPA uh, uh, regional fly-in at Groton, Connecticut, a couple weekends ago, and uh, it's the first. I just want to tell you, just to say a few words about this. Um, it, it was a fun day. I. Uh, this is the first one of these that I've been able to attend um, for either scheduling or or geographic reasons. Um, the the very first year they did these, they were there was one in Plymouth, Mass, but I was out of town that weekend working, so I, I couldn't go. Um, and so when and this is the next one that that's been in New England, and uh, so I, I made a point to uh, to head on down on Saturday morning and. Uh, uh, to Groton Airport, uh, which is right across the river from New London, Connecticut. I think it's actually called like the New London Groton Airport or something like that. Um, a cool, a much bigger, much more active uh, GA airport than I realized or than I expected. Um, a, a lot of uh, you know, and for the for the event, they had kind of you know shuffled everything off to the edges of the airport, so uh, um, it was kind of hard to get a real sense of of how active the airport was. But uh, they, uh, um, there were clearly a, a lot of biz jets that uh, were based at that at this airport, and uh, a lot of regular, you know, kind of a piston GA as well. Um, so a very very interesting uh, airport in that regard. Air, uh, a nice restaurant right there in the terminal building on the field. So if you're looking for a place to to fly out to uh, some some Saturday afternoon or or Wednesday morning, um, there's a a nice restaurant uh, where I had lunch uh, right there in the terminal building. Uh, so that's a that's a plus. Because <laughs> uh, pilots got to get refueled too that's right that's right so the uh the fly-in itself was uh i, I was talking with a with a uh, an aopa friend of mine who was commenting that the attendance was not quite what they were hoping for um and that may be true um it, it was nothing to sneeze at i mean it, it, it was a nice crowd there were a lot of people there um, the uh, forum sessions that I, I, sat, I, I you know, sat in on um, all had good turnout. Uh, and uh, you know, I wouldn't say anything was, was with the exception of the big uh, uh, closing session that I attended, um, there was very little standing room kind of only kind of thing. Um, but uh, but good crowds at all the forums, uh, good crowds out on the, out on the uh, expo area, um, a, a lot of interesting airplanes uh, on display, uh, a couple of really cool amphibs and uh, a big DC-3 was there. Um, all the usual suspects in terms of, uh, of uh, aircraft exhibitors were there. Uh, and, uh, and, and it was just a, you know, a good time was had by all. Though, though, although it turned out to be a, a spectacularly beautiful day, 
um, the forecast all week long had been that it was going to rain this particular morning. Um, and in fact, the airport was IFR until about noon um, because of uh, low clouds. So uh, I, I think that that played into the crowd being not quite what they had hoped for. Um, but uh, uh, it, it was a it was a very nice crowd. And uh, weather's been known to suppress the attendance at many an event. Yeah, yeah. So uh, a, a lot of interesting airplanes and and, and, and displays and the. Um, uh, Mike alluded to the fact that they had these these tracks. I don't know, maybe this is the way they've been doing it all along. Like I said, this is the first one I ever attended. But it was interesting that there were sort of four. There were four different forum venues, uh, tents that they had set up with table with chairs and <clears throat> and podiums, and uh, each one had a a, a particular theme um, that uh, had. And so the uh, the sessions throughout the day, uh, you know, followed along that that theme, and that was kind of interesting. Um, like Mike said, maintenance and operation and safety. Quite frankly, I forget what the four themes were, but uh, it was it was an interesting way of organizing it. And then at the uh, the end of the day, the the big finish was uh, the uh, sort of uh, uh, AOPA report to members, so to speak, um, where uh, 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 um, I'm blanking on the AOPI Baker, right? What's the name of the guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah Baker. Mark Baker. Mark Baker. Uh, uh, there was another Baker. Don't yeah, confuse I, I, I always, I, I'm like Dave. That's probably I, I kind of always, I always fuzz out. I said, well, wait a second. Uh, John Baker is no longer president of, uh, yeah, well, well, wait, well, there's another Baker. Different yeah, Baker. okay, never Different mind. Baker. Yeah. Anyways, uh, he, along with a whole bunch of other AOPA people, uh, got up on stage and, and talked about a lot of different programs and activities that AOPA are pursuing. And uh, um, it, was a, it was a very, very interesting day. Um, one thing that took me by surprise, so I, I don't very often these days uh, talk about first world problems or like first world problems. I don't very often these days attend fly-ins. Um, going through the front gate, uh, I, I usually get a press pass of some sort, and and you know either because of po- because of the podcast or other things. Um, and this is one example. I, I drove in like just anybody else. You know, I drove down and followed the signs from from uh, the interstate and uh, went into parking out on the field and and then walked to the gate. And I expected to pay some money. I figured there's going to be an admission fee. It's going to cost me like you know ten bucks to get through the door or something like that. And, and that would have been fine. I, I, I both in advance, you know, thinking about it in advance and based on what I saw, that would have been a fine, uh, uh, you know, expense, but, uh, there was no expense. Uh, it was just like, come on in, check out the airplanes. Yeah. Um, yeah. they did charge us for dinner for lunch. Unfortunately, I, Mike sort of alluded to that too. Um, which I thought was a little disappointing I, because I wanted free food. I'm, I'm a member, <laughs> I'm a member just of the goes media, to show man. there's no free lunch. I, well, you know what? That's, it's like, that's, that's where I'm spoiled as being a, being a, uh, you know, a, a member of the, uh, working media, if you will. All right. Um, because, uh, we had to pay for lunch, but, uh, they did give out free ice cream at the very end. Um, the, at the very, well, very, very end, yeah. they had a little ice cream social where they gave out ice cream bars to everybody. But only, only for those who stick around that long. You had to stick around that long, you know. And uh, but uh, a lot of people did. I mean, I, I you know, it, it was it was interesting how many people. I thought, you know, okay, this is like gonna gonna peter out, and there won't be an awful lot of people around for this big finish. But there were. Um, so, uh, anyways. Kudos, to, and we've heard these stories for years now. These AOPA regional fly-ins uh, are are quite popular and uh, and very successful. And uh, and uh, my experience at Groton confirms that uh, this is this was a fun thing. I, I the, the one coming up uh, like this weekend or next weekend in Tampa. Next weekend. Next, next weekend, weekend at 
Peter O'Knight in Tampa. Yeah, so if you're if you're down in the Florida area and uh, and you've got no plans for Friday and Saturday, uh, go check out the Tampa AOPA Regional Fly-In down there. I think you won't be disappointed. I will be there. Excellent. Uh, at Excellent. least on Saturday. I don't know about Friday, but I will be there. I, I did um, have a little crude um, <clears throat> sort of makeshift uh, UCAP meetup um, there at the, uh, at the fly-in. I basically, mm-hmm. I, I didn't know how to plan a meetup because I didn't know what the right. grounds were going to be like or what the layout was or the schedule or anything like that. And so I told people, I said, watch my Twitter account and watch, you know, that kind of thing. And, uh, and, and oh, that's an interesting way to do it. Yeah. And so the way I did it was I, I, I sort of warned people. I said, uh, sometime during Saturday afternoon, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll be, I'll be there, come find me. And then what happened was I, I once I got on the grounds, in my case, what I decided to do was I, I figured I'll, I'll do it just prior to that big finish session at the end. All right, so I figured that's you know there's still going to be people, people people be around for that. Um, and then once I got on the grounds, I found a, a landmark uh, that, that was part of the. In, in my case, it mm-hmm. was there was this big amphib, this big uh, Catalina, I think, or something like that. Um, and uh, and so I said I said at at whatever the time was one o'clock. I said at one o'clock. I'm going to be hanging out underneath the wing of the uh, big amphib and uh, come on by and say hi. And a handful of people cool. did. It was nice. Um, cool. And uh, so thank you to uh, to the listeners who came by and, and said hi and uh, and talked to me. There. So I, I mentioned that, Jeb, not to interrupt you, although I did pretty good. Huh? <laughs> um, but uh, but you, you might do something similar to that. But uh, uh, yeah, wasn't, wasn't I married to you at one point? Um, <laughs> uh, I will 11 years, man, something. for 11 years. Yeah. yeah. I will probably do something exactly like that uh, for uh, Saturday. I guess that would be the uh, 28th. Oh, you're going to make me look it up. All right. I'm going to fly up in Debbie. Well, I think not. Um, After uh, last flight in Debbie, yeah, it would be the 28th. The um, post-flight inspection revealed a couple of things that uh, I had to order some parts for. Um, So they will probably not be here in time for that so i'm probably not going to take debbie up there it, it's it's kind of silly it's it'd be like a 15 minute flight um um and uh looking at the uh, arrival procedure and um what i would consider to be the expected traffic levels i think driving is going to be the the smarter thing for me to do so um okay so will you, you, you put something on Twitter? The reason I ask is then I'll, I'll keep an eye on that and I'll retweet it and we'll put it on okay. Twitter. Yeah, I'll, Twitter I'll, well. I'll, I'll, let's do this. I will, um, sometime Saturday morning, I will tweet something mm-hmm. and I will I will alert Jack so he can retweet it and we can do the okay. uncontrolled airspace uh, account also. Yep. And I'll, p- I'll pick a spot and a time and I will be there. Cool. Sounds cool. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we're like, I think we've, Definitely used up our allotted time here. Shoutouts. Shoutouts. Um, I have a couple of uh, sort of administrative uh, podcast business shoutouts while you guys get your th- organize your thoughts here. Um, the big one is to we, – we, we want to announce today that uh, UCAP's going on vacation. We're going to take a brief vacation here. 
Um, and I just want to let everybody know, uh, don't panic. We're, we're not going away, uh, at least not permanently. Um, we're going to do one more episode after this one. Um, we're scheduled to record an episode in, a, I believe it's two weeks from now. Maybe it's three. Um, so that will be the last episode we do before uh, taking a little break. Um, and then we will return in mid-December with new episodes. So, uh, uh, you know, plan your plan your podcast listing accordingly but uh uh, one more episode after this one and then a break until mid-december give us a chance to kind of regroup and and uh and catch our our creative or podcast creative breaths and uh and maybe you know organize some some stuff to to uh take ucap forward so uh, that's that uh i think that's all i've got shout outs what do you guys got dave go ahead uh well, this candidate landed on me as a surprise uh, today, but uh, learned that our old friend Adam Smith uh, from EAA and then currently, well, until recently with uh, the Commemorative Air Force, where he's very much respected, is uh, leaving to uh, run the Comics Center at the San Diego Hall of Champions Sports Center, hmm. where they have a, uh, a Comic-Con International's proposed comic center in San Diego's Balboa Park. And when we first got to know Adam, uh, his background was in uh, museums, museums and exhibits, right. yeah. and, and he came to uh, Oshkosh to run the uh, EAA Museum. And uh, the pilot, sharp guy, uh, so just a shout out to uh, Adam. What and leave aviation? But <laughs> I, I, David, I, David, I think you buried the good, lead there. Good you, luck, Adam. Yeah, oh, absolutely, yeah. good luck. Um, uh, but you buried the lead there. All right, he's going to work for Comic Con, man. He's going to work for Comic Con. I mean, it's like <laughs> what was it? We're you'd, not, you'd we're not back worthy. To California for that job, wouldn't what you? Was, what was it? Al Franken used to say, "Get to know me." All right, and it's like we're all gonna like, "Hey, Adam, how you doing? Tickets? Tickets? Maybe? Because it's hard to get tickets. You have to like the lottery really? and the the whole thing. Comic Con. That's Comic Con San Diego. That's that's like that's that's the mecca of the pop culture world. Of the universe. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, well, uh, congrats to Adam. Absolutely. Um, sorry, sorry, we're losing him from the aviation industry. Hopefully, that situation will be temporary, though. I mean, he's always been, like David said, he's always been a museum guy. So in some ways, this is no change. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Yeah. But, uh, uh, you know, it's so, uh, so that's very, do very well cool. There. Yeah. Very, very cool. So congratulations to him. Yeah. Jim, um, shout out? Yeah, my, my shout out is to the um, Athens, Clark County, Georgia Commissioner, <laughs> Harry Sims. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Sims. Now, this, is, this has to do with uh, the... Uh, Athens, uh, Georgia, Ben Epps Airport. Uh, uh, I've flown out in and out of there many times. I, I uh, um, uh, when I was in college there at University of Georgia, flew rented, rented airplanes there, and I've uh, been in there uh, several times since then, including uh, with uh, uh, one of our listeners uh, based in the area. Um, the occasion was the dedication of a new terminal. Uh, $4.4 million terminal building there at the, at the airport. And uh, um, Mr. Sims, the county commissioner, Harry Sims, uh, said, quote, sometimes, no, that's not the quote I'm looking for here. Quote, we are really looking forward to the opportunity to have planes 
landing out here, or you can get on a plane in Athens, Georgia, and fly to Washington Whoa, in New York. Oh, wow. And you don't have to take a two-hour drive to get to Atlanta. Man. Dude. Yeah, I know. Um, I know. Um, yeah. You can do that now. Yeah. You just can't do it with an airline logo on the side because the airlines want you in Atlanta. Well, um, yeah. yeah, they'd rather you spend two hours wasting right. time with them than two hours driving to Hartsfield. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, well, talk about it'd be basically four hours out of your life. Yeah. Because well, you got to drive to Hartsfield and you got to wait for to get through TSA and, and, and find your concourse. My God, Atlanta's a busy airport these days. I mean, just, just, to, just to trip in from Hartsfield's parking lot. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So this um, guy will this guy will, will join the uh, he's a, uh, Al Al Gore invented the internet and this guy invented airplane travel. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So uh, congratulations, um, Commissioner Sims, and to to the GA pilots in Athens. Way to go, guys! You got a new terminal. You're ahead of the game. That part exactly. is very cool. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Anything else? Fork. Time? Yeah. Oh yeah. Go ahead, David. What do you got? I, I, I'm doing this for Jeb and me both. A little shout out to a, a UCAP listener that we visited with on the closing day of NBAA. David Antler at Dedico, who uh, it, it's a little company that was spun off from another company, and they make polishing tools and grinders and things for your uh, for your shop that polish and take the edges off uh-huh. and make them shiny and all that. And uh, David was nice enough to put together a little gift bag for Jeb and me. And we talked shop a little bit about how they might expand their marketing and other shows they might want to do. But uh, sincerely, David, it was a treat visiting with you. And thank you so much for the uh, for the gift box uh, or gift bag. Uh, I'm going over to my airplane shop first thing in the morning. It's going with me. Very cool. Yes. Yeah, same here. David, thank you very much. It was a pleasure uh, uh, to meet you and get to know uh, your company and you. Uh, thank you also, especially for the for the goodie bag. Um, there's one for Jack also. I just have to mail it to him. Cool. Uh, yeah, so uh, uh, very thoughtful um, and uh, always great to meet a new listener or meet a, meet a listener we haven't met before. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you. Very cool. Very cool. Okay. Fork time. Can't put it off any longer. I don't know how long this has been. I've completely lost track of how long this episode's been with all the interesting ins and outs. But anyways. Uh, oh, 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 oh. What? 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 Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You got something? We'll do it in, yeah, we'll do it in the after show. We'll do it in the after show? Okay. Mm-hmm. Only, But only Patreon reward level people get to hear the after show. So hint, hint. Nudge, nudge. Uh, well, I thought, thought we did the after show earlier. Well. Well, we're not quite finished with Don't it. Don't be giving away all our secrets, David. All right. Well, all right. Uh, just, just, uh, just uh, one right, thing. We've just got to get this on the record. Um, we've often joked and talked and reminisced about the old uh, WKRP in Cincinnati episode. Oh, yeah. Okay. With, all right. With yeah. The, yeah. With the turkey drop during during Thanksgiving. And, and uh, the, the best line, of course, from that episode is, is God is my witness. I thought turkeys could fly. Comes now, let me open this one. <clears throat> yeah. Comes now, Yellville, Arkansas. Uh, that Yellville, much explains it right there, I think, but go ahead. Yellville, Arkansas. 
Uh, I'm just going to read um, um, the, um, the first two paragraphs from this news item. The Federal Aviation Administration says it will check to see whether any laws or regulations were broken when a low-flying pilot <laughs> dropped live turkeys onto an Arkansas festival over the weekend. This is dated October 16th. The annual Yellville Turkey Trot in northern Arkansas yep. has included a turkey drop for more than five decades. Those sponsors in recent years have distanced themselves from the practice. So, yep. um, and there's there's pictures of, of um, somebody flying by fairly low, I would guess. Um, um, I don't know. It's hard to tell from the from the photograph. This is a um, an early 172. It's a Razorback with a straight tail, so it's a, I guess a one straight 172 or a 172A. And in you know the the passenger side door is open um, a little bit, and there's a what looks like a turkey. <laughs> I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. It looks like a turkey falling out of the airplane, and uh, wings are spread and all that kind of thing. Unclear the condition of the turkey when it landed. Um, okay, but. Um, which is, you know, okay. Um, yeah, we don't want to indiscriminately be hurting uh, um, animals, turkeys, uh, or regardless. Yeah. So I just found it just the height of uh, of uh, interest, if you will, that uh, uh, what was once art has now become reality. There you go. And then maybe that's an episode title right there. Hey, thank you, guys. I appreciate it. It's always fun to get together with you. Uh, that's Jeb Burnside. Jeb's a freelance aviation writer and editor, serving as the editor-in-chief of Aviation Safety Magazine. Jeb, you've been working on anything interesting since you got home? Um, nothing work or, or um, uh, aviation-related, really. Um, kind of had to bird dog some parts for the airplane um, earlier in the week, so I talked to a few people and, and got that all squared away. Um, but otherwise just kind of picking up the pieces and, uh, uh, left a lot of little projects around here, um, to, that I've been trying to deal with and, uh, uh, this kind of thing. So, you know, kind of licking my wounds and, uh, gearing up for the next issue of, uh, uh, aviation safety, December, 2017, end of the, end of the year yeah. issue coming up. Yeah. Um, we actually had to postpone this recording session. I thought this, and I thought we were going to have a problem because I thought this was the week you were doing the magazine, but apparently not. And, no, no, I've got, I got some more time. Yeah, so. so anyways, where can people find out about you and all this stuff on the internet, Jeff? Oh gosh. Aviation safety magazine.com, uh, is a great place to start. Uh, that's kind of the day job. Um, uh, also doing some work for, um, uh, Aviation International News at AINonline.com, uh, AEA.net for Aircraft Electronics Association uh, stuff, and uh, also GeneralAviationNews.com. Uh, and on Twitter? Burnside J. Burnside J. And that's where you'll announce the uh, uh, That's where I'll the announce Tampa, uh, uh, the meetup. Uh, yes, Tampa, Tampa meetup next Saturday during the... Uh, uh, AOPA, uh, last AOPA regional uh, uh, event of the year, actually. The year, so. Of the year. Yeah. And Dave Higdon. Dave's an aviation photographer, an aviation journalist, and the U.S. editor for London's Av Buyer magazine. David, what have you been working on? You just, okay, just pick one, David. Something cool. Uh, I'm just looking that up. Uh, got this month's cover story on uh, progress on ADSB an avionics news magazine and a second article about dealing with aging wiring 
which when the average age of the fleet is as old as this one, is going to be an issue for some airplanes. So uh, did a little work for uh, Av Buyer Magazine at NBAA. Did a little work for Avionics News from NBAA. Uh, you can find me at AEA.net and Avionics News Work, uh, avbuyer.com for my weekly business aviation blog, which uh, – this Friday is what the hell did I write about? Uh, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that Whatever was it was, we're sure it was good. That was days ago. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Anyways, uh, and on Twitter, you are uh, real Higdon on Twitter, and then very real. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a digital media producer. Uh, you can learn more about me. Um, I publish YouTube videos at youtube.com slash Jack Hodgson. On Amazon, you can search for my Around the Field eBooks. Uh, just search for the term Around the Field in books, the books section of Amazon. Uh, follow me on Twitter, where I am Jack Hodgson. Uh, and you can sign up for my email newsletter and learn more about me than you ever really wanted to know. All of that is at jackhodgson.com. Big thanks to everyone who gives us a hand with this podcast because we don't do it alone. Uh, thanks to uh, Jeff Ward for his help in, with the show notes and in the forums. Uh, please support UCAP by making a repeating per-episode donation of any size via the online service Patreon. You can get all the details about that at uh, patreon.com slash uncontrolledairspace. And while you're at it, you can go into iTunes, give us a review uh, and some thumbs up. That really helps get the word out about the podcast. Uh, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at twitter.com slash class G airspace. That's all one word, class, and then the letter G and airspace. Uh, you can also listen to UCAP in the free section of Sporty's Pilot Shop's mobile app, Takeoff, along with all the other with other podcasts and special Sporty's contents. Uh, get your UCAP hat, shirts, and other cool gear at the UCAP Swag Shop. That's at uncontrolledairspace.com slash store. And don't forget to uh, check out the rest of the UCAP website, 11 years worth of UCAP show notes and episode downloads. All of that is at uncontrolledairspace.com. And before I forget, um, I, I don't want to go without saying a big thank you to Mike Bush for taking some time to uh, talk with us Absolutely. and uh, fill us in on this, uh, this uh, AD situation and the other stuff that he's working on. So big thanks to uh, Mike Bush. Uh, and then finally, David, is there something else you wanted to tell us before we finish? Well, there's one key to aging gracefully and nicely and aeronautically, and that's to go fly, because time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan, you know? Bye-bye. And that's enough talking. Let's go flying. GTFN. GTFN.